0: Get ready to grip it and rip it.
1: All right, let's move on. We got golfers waiting.
0: Dedicated to bringing better golf to America, this is Tea to Green, the golf show.
1: We are your top source for golf news and entertainment and America's longest running network radio golf show. It's t to Green. Once again, coming from the five-star Broadmoor Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, thanks for making what we do a part of your weekend. I'm Jay Ritchie. Jerry Butenhoff is off this weekend, and boy, he's going to miss a great show. Today's lineup includes Neil Sagabell. His last book, The Longest Shot, was one of the best golf books in recent years. His new book, Draw in the Dunes, all about the 1969 Ryder Cup competition will be out soon. Neil also spent last weekend in Pinehurst at the U.S. Open. So we've got lots to talk about on today's show with Neil Sagabell. Up first from the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama, Jonathan Romeo will be here. The Jones Golf Trail in Alabama is now over 20 years old, and it paved the way. Now a number of states have golf trails, but Alabama was the first and Jonathan Romeo will be here to tell us about what's old and what's new at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama. Final round of the Women's U.S. Open today at Pinehurst number 2. We began the week talking about an 11-year-old golfer, Lucy Lee. We're ending the week talking about a 53-year-old, Julie Inkster who's playing in her 35th and final women's open and is just four shots off the pace being set by Michelle Wee and Amy Yang. Can Julie Inkster turn back the clock one more time or can Wee and Yang win their first major championship? It's all today on T to Green. It's early Sunday morning, the sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at seven, I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot Though the bunkers look like beaches and the greens like walking lots Oh, Lord, what am I gonna do? Help me keep my head down, save me from those double bogey blues Tita Green, now available on iHeartRadio Talk. If you miss something from today's show or any future shows, find it on iHeartRadio Talk. That's iHeartRadio.com slash talk. Jay Ritchie at the Broadmoor, going to tee it up next with Jonathan Romeo as we're worldwide on American Forces Radio and coast-to-coast on the Sports Byline USA Radio Network.
2: Not all water is created equal, so take care of your body and drink alchemy water. Alchemy's unique formula includes alkaline, oxygen and antioxidants, which boost your immune system and help your body achieve peak performance. If you're looking for a healthy, eco-friendly alternative to sugary energy drinks, join the many pro athletes and celebrities who treat their bodies right and drink Alchemy Water. Visit AlchemyWater.com. That's A-L-K-A-M-E-Water.com. Let us help you break your addiction to drug and alcohol before it's too late. This call is completely confidential and free. So if you have private insurance, take five minutes of your time, call right now. I promise it'll change your life. 866-490-3992, 866-490-3992, 866-490-3992. 866-490-3992. 866-490-3992 Tomorrow on History. It's an all new season of Mountain Man.
4: There's an element of danger every time you walk out the door. That's the way it is. It's a dangerous way of making a living. So many different things
5: could kill you. There's no room for mistakes. Sugar! I'm nervous about having my girls out in the bush with me. To yeah, be a mountain man, live in the mountains. It's always been my life.
2: This is who I am.
6: You just have to live your life. Watch a new episode of Mountain Man tomorrow at 9, 8 central on History. Made every day.
1: Show by golfers for golfers you found it. Tee to Green. Coming your way from the Broadmoor Resort... Colorado Springs, Colorado, each and every Sunday, talking a little golf. I'm Jay Ritchie, Scott Cuddy at Master Control, and the bullpen is David. Jerry is out today, Jerry Butenhoff. Uh, is off this weekend. He'll be back with us next week, and we are so happy to be back home at the Broadmoor. Want to thank uh, Jeff Kelly and the wonderful staff at Kings Deer Golf Course in Monument, Colorado, who hosted us and hosted the show last weekend. And remind you, we'll be back to Kings Deer. We're looking at a uh, return July twentieth British Open weekend to Kings Deer in Monument, Colorado. One of the minor public courses in the Southern Colorado, Colorado Springs area. On the show today, coming up, Neil Sagabel will talk to Neil about the U.S. Open at Pinehurst. He was there last week, and his new book is coming out soon. It's called Duel a Draw in the Dunes, all about the 1969 Ryder Cup competition, and Neil will join us later in the hour. Our first guest, want to get right to him from uh, Alabama and the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail. Now, that's a... Trail a series of championship golf courses across the state of Alabama based on the designs of legendary golf course architect Robert Trent Jones Sr part of a massive financial investment and economic development project sponsored by the Retirement System of Alabama. 26 courses, 468 holes, 11 locations across the state. Each trail is within a two-hour drive of the course closest to it, and each within 15 minutes of a major interstate. They paved the way. Now there are golf trails in a number of states, including North Dakota, Texas, Louisiana, Tennessee, but the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Alabama was the first, and we're happy to welcome Jonathan Romeo from the uh, Alabama Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail to Tita to Grain today. Jonathan, how are you? How are things in Alabama? Doing well, guys. How are you all? Yeah, we're we're fine. Having a little trouble hearing you. Uh, are you still there? Are you there? Okay, now we hear you. That, now we're better. Okay, Yeah, that's much better. Okay. Um, the Robert Trent, Trent Jones Golf Tour, hard to believe it's been some 20 years, over yep, 20 22. years.
7: Yeah, that's right. We're on, we're on our 22nd year of, uh, of a concept that I think most people looked at from the beginning and said there's no way it'll work. And uh, not only did it work, it's, it's continuing to work, that's for sure. It's a, it's a great collection of golf courses that uh, we've hosted some, what, 22 professional events now? I guess 24 professional events, actually. Um, And the best part about it is it's open to the public, and it's a very affordable way for the golf freak fanatic to come and play as many holes as you want to play.
1: Yeah, imitation, the sincerest form of flattery, and as I mentioned, now a number of other states have copied what you started there in Alabama back in the early 1990s Uh, was – you mentioned you know, a lot, there was some skepticism, a lot of doubt. Uh, were there any people, though, that kind of you know, knew, knew this was going to work, or was everybody just kind of taking a big chance on this whole thing?
7: Well, you know, I think when we, when we had the original concept, Dr. David Bronner, who is the head of the retirement system of Alabama, um, when he took over the state pension fund, it was at about $12.5 million. It's just north of $33 billion now. So the trail is just one of the investments that the retirement systems, and that's all of the employees, that's anyone who's a uh, first responder, a teacher, all of the people are folks who are part of the retirement systems. We do have a return back into their pension fund on a yearly basis. So we're an investment. And looking at what we wanted to do, we really had three main goals. And those goals were, number one, to create the largest collection of golf courses in the world and create the largest golf project in the world which we've done that and still are the largest golf project in the world. The second thing was to take the state of Alabama and turn it into not only a golf destination but also a place where people could come on a family trip, come on a guys trip, come on a trip with your with your uh, spouse. And maybe, just maybe, you would find how good it is here and move here or retire here. We've had success there. And the final thing I think we did was to make the state better for our, our folks who live here. Um, as you mentioned, we've got 11 sites. They are all within um, two hours of each other, most are or, or an hour and a half. Nothing is more than 15 minutes off of a major interstate, um, and that allows obviously the citizens of Alabama, to play outstanding golf at a discounted rate, and as well as bringing people into the state to hopefully become additional residents of the state.
1: Yeah, I would say mission accomplished on all three counts. You started with just four courses. Now you're up to 26 at 11 locations. Any plans in the works to keep it going, to keep growing, or are you going to keep it right where it is for a while? Well, you know,
7: I I think that all depends, um, number one, obviously, on the economy. Number two, there's a lot of golf courses in the country now. There really is. You know, there was a hell of a lot less when we started, yeah. and um, there's a lot more that have been added. You know, that you never can say that we won't go more. Uh, we're in a process now of, of you know, we are, the, the trail is, twenty, like I said, 22 years old. We have, um, within our plan, we go in and redo or recondition or resurface or bring up to new USGA standards, usually on around an 8- to 10-year basis. Um, every facility, so we're kind of in that rotation to where we're always in construction and we're always doing things, but fortunately we've got so many sites and we have so many golf courses, you know, if we pull one out of the rotation, you really don't notice it until it comes back and it's back up better than it was before. So, you know, I think we've got our hands full at this point right now just getting everything where we want it. Uh, We don't want these to be average golf courses. These golf courses are... Far better than your normal public golf course, um, as I said you know we 've hosted everything from the nationwide tour championships to we have two lpga events that we host annually on the trail, so I mean these are good quality golf courses and and you know that 's our our main goal is but it 's more quality over quantity we 've got our hands full, like I said, with what we 've got right now
1: yeah, the trail stretches from the rolling hills of northern and central Alabama to the wetlands and the woods near the Gulf Coast. Green fees along the trail average around $50 during peak season. The highest fee is around 60 to $65. Is that? A, are you fighting the battle there to keep those fees reasonable and keep the golfers coming?
7: Well, you know, we, we're very fortunate in that, um, and, you know, the old saying goes, once you've got a customer, it's easier to keep that customer than it is to go get another one. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when you look through our Central Reservations Department, which we uh In Birmingham, we have a Central Reservations Department that books from all over the world. Uh, Last year, we had visitors from all 50 states and 31 countries come to the state to play golf. So, you know, we continue to see the group of guys, the group of, of families, the retired couples. They don't just come one year. They continuously come back year after year after year. And with the variety that we've got, As you said, you know we stretch from the from the northernmost point of the state all the way down to the Gulf Coast and the in the Mobile Bay. You know, people will come maybe and play the top half of the state one year. They'll come and play the middle part of the state one year. They'll play the southern part of the state, and then they'll they'll pick where they want to go. The maybe the third or fourth year and go there. The beauty of it is, it is so affordable. We do have people who play all 468 holes on one trip. (laughs) Uh, that's a
1: lot of golf I love it I love love it Uh, Jonathan Romeo our guest yeah Jonathan is uh, in player development he oversees reservations and is the tournament director for the Airbus LPGA Classic which was held last month on the ladies tour and the Yokohama Classic which is coming up in September by the way, Lexi Thompson, we've been watching her play in the U.S. Open this week. She won her first major earlier this season. The very first tournament she ever won was the Navistar LPGA Classic on the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Prattville, Alabama, when she was 16 years old. Jonathan, another feather in your cap there at the at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail.
7: You know, it's, 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 it's kind of funny. Lexi and I have been, um, I've been I'm a huge proponent of, of finding the, the youngster out there that's out there. There's there's a kid that's overseas uh, right now, Charlie Hall, who I gave an exemption to. Uh, that's a name for everybody to listen for. I gave her an exemption in the mobile. She was in the top four until the last three holes. She ended up finishing sixth. Um, Lexi was one of those that I started giving exemptions to when she was uh, 14 years old. She played when she was 14. She played. She was 15, and then she won. She was when she was 16. Um, I'm just a, you know, a big proponent of trying to find the young kid out there and give them a, a chance. All right.
1: Hey. Jonathan, we're running out of time, but I want to just say that they've done it longer, and nobody does it better than they do in Alabama at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail. Wish we had more time, but I'll tell you what, with that Yokohama Classic coming up in September, how about we get you back on in a, in a couple of months or so, and uh, we'll give you a little more time in, in, the, in the next show.
7: Sure, we'd love it. I'll do anything you guys would like. And, again, come to Alabama. We've got a lot of
1: good golf. Is there a website, or how can people find out more info?
7: Yeah, everything can be done on rtjgolf.com. Um, it'll have everything from a trip planner to showing you uh, you know, f- photographs and to tell you exactly how to call in and book your trip or to do it on the web.
1: rtjgolf.com. That's Jonathan Romeo with us today on Tea to Green.
2: Call Lear Capital now. 800-631-9229. There's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf
3: ball. Oh, boy. Well, I'm afraid to ask. Well, what is it? What's the other theory?
9: Grip it and rip it.
0: (laughs) T to Green takes you to the driving range with our tip of the week. The Broadmoor continues to stand in the forefront of world-class facilities, amenities, and service, combining modern comfort and convenience with an elegant charm of the past.
9: Hi, I'm Mark Helble, the head golf pro at the Broadmoor. Today I want to talk to you about course management. If faced with a situation where the pin is tucked behind a deep bunker and you have a medium iron in your hand, any approach iron, and you're not a good bunker player. It does not make sense to try to go over that very penal bunker to a tuck pin where you'd have to hit your career shot in order to keep it on the green. If faced with that situation, go for the fat part of the green, dump it on, take your two putts, take your par, and happily go on your way. Oftentimes, people will penalize themselves twice. They'll try to hit a shot they don't have to a very difficult pin position, in which case they put themselves in a deep bunker, and they don't have a great bunker game either, and they might take three to get out from there. Always, always hit to the fat part of the green and move on to the next
1: hole. For more on course management, visit t or visit your nearest PGA professional. Destination listening for dedicated golfers, we like to call it. It's Tita Green, the golf show. From the Bradmore Resort, Colorado Springs, Colorado, I'm Jay Richie, Jerry Boutenhoff. We'll be back with us next weekend. Give Jerry the week off this week. He's living it up, enjoying a several days of fun and debauchery as he does every year at this time at the Country Jam, the annual Country Jam that takes place uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado, over on the western slope. He's been doing that for like 22 straight years, but I think he's talking about making this one his last one. So you know he's, uh, he's having himself a pretty good time right now. As we are talking golf here at the Broadmoor once again, and we invite you to join us. We do this every week. Uh, and if, if you want to check out our website, t2greenradio.com, we invite you to do that, too. Our Facebook cha- page, follow us on Twitter. We've been working on our website, and uh, one of the things we've been really working on is the archive section and trying to get as many past shows, especially past recent shows, on there as possible. And we've beefed it up a little bit, adding shows from the last uh, four or five years And uh, I was just thinking, a year ago at this time, we had a stretch in which we had three consecutive shows. One week we had Chichi Rodriguez, followed by the next week Stacy Lewis, followed by the next week Annika Sorenstam. And those shows are now all on the archive page on our website if you go to the 2013 uh, year. Uh, 2012, the year before, our interview with Jack Nicholas, And in 2012, we also had our next guest on, and that show is now archived up there as well. We had Neil Sagabell on to talk about his book, which drew critical acclaim, won much praise, and was a fabulous read. It was called The Longest Shot. His new book is not quite out yet. Draw in the Dunes is getting ready to be released. We'll find out just uh, when as we welcome Neil Sagabell. Back to T. to green. He was last week at Pinehurst at the U.S. Open. Now he's joining us on the golf show today. Hey, Neil, how are you?
5: I'm doing great. How are you, Jay?
1: Pretty good. You survived the Carolina Hotel and all the fun in Pinehurst last week?
5: I did. You know, I was thinking about, I wish I was still there, especially for today.
1: Because of?
5: Well, just I think there's, you know, we have an exciting finish to watch today here with the ladies and uh, see how they respond. To Pinehurst number two on a Sunday at the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, a lot of great storylines uh, this week at the Women's Open, aren't there?
5: There really are. I mean, I think the way it's after the way the third round was played, uh, you know, Julie Inkster being in contention after a 66. Uh, Michelle we will see break through, Amy Yang, who's playing really well but is somewhat unproven, and there's an amateur up there. I, I was just thinking about that this morning. What, what would we think if an amateur won an Open in this era?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it would ever happen again, and the last time it happened was way back, what, 1967?
5: You know, I didn't look that up. I know with the men, it, it's been a... Since Johnny Goodman in 1933, so uh, it's a rare thing these days.
1: Well, I thought uh, watching the telecast yesterday on NBC, right at the very end, I thought Annika Sorenston made a really good point. She said we began the week talking about an 11-year-old golfer, and we're ending the week talking about a 53-year-old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a great story. That's a great storyline right there. Yeah. So yeah. It, you,
5: it really is, and I, and so I think it just it speaks to the game, you know, how it's a, it's, a game, it's a lifetime sport, and it's one of the rare sports that we can watch where uh, players are able to compete at such a young age and, and then at an older age, too.
1: Yeah, I think uh, regardless of what happens today, how would you rate last week and this week the grand experiment by the USGA to put back-to-back U.S. Opens of men's and women's on the same course?
5: I think it's been tremendous. I really do. I mean, I, I think there's uh, – I haven't been watching this closely this week since I got back, but I think the way the, the course has uh, responded to all the play, to the crowds, uh, the women seem to be quite happy with how it's played. I, I, I think it's a great concept. And, in fact, I was starting to think about, I wonder how – how they could do this again what venue might be good but i i really feel like it's been a success and it's a great way to have a spotlight on golf but also help the women's game as well
1: yeah for sure i think when they when they all the uh, the honchos mike davis and company get back to far hills that'll be one of the top things on their agenda how can we how can we do it again and where can we do it again
5: yeah I was wondering, and, and I haven't really given much thought to this at all, Jay, but I was just wondering you know a West Coast uh, uh, great course like Pebble Beach or or, or some place where they could do this again. I I think, I think it would just be a really neat thing.
1: So your your take on Martin Keimer and just running away with things last week kind of I I put a damper on it a little bit in the fact that there really wasn't much drama. It would have been a great tournament had he not been there. <laughs> when you look at the scores behind him, but uh, you got to you got to tip your hat to the German.
5: Absolutely, I I really couldn't be more impressed. When I at the end of the week when we saw what he did, the eight shot margin. Uh, the record start I really, I've been watching a lot of US Opens for many many years now, even before Tiger came on the scene and I can't recall a more dominating performance, a more complete performance other than Tiger Woods in 2000 at Pebble Beach and Keimer was just exceptional and every round, I, you know after he shot that opening 65 I thought, well if he comes back and he can shoot something around par, he's going to be in really good shape. He's going to be tough to beat. And then he puts another 65 up on the board. And as I talked to um, people last weekend in advance of the third round, I thought he might come back a little bit, and I thought someone might challenge him and that the the tournament would tighten up over the weekend. But he just really finished it out so well. And all facets of his game and how he handled himself – was just exemplary.
8: So
1: why was he able to master Pinehurst Number Two, and the rest of the so-called best golfers in the world just just couldn't get anywhere near him?
5: You know, it seems to me. Well, first of all he he put his he put his ball in play a lot, uh, so his his tee shots were well doing really well. But he said that he was hitting the ball really solidly, and I think. You know, it's a second if you put your shot in, your T ball in play, it's a second shot golf course and his iron play overall was outstanding. And then when you add to that the the, the ma- his mastery of the greens, he didn't have many three putts. He he had he seemed to really have the pace down. Uh, it was just a winning combination. And he, and you know, then you then you add to that he didn't you know, there aren't very many players who could carry the lead from start to finish and and handle that pressure. Mm -hmm. And I, he did it. He was just amazing.
1: That formula you just described is kind of what uh, Michelle Wee did early this week uh, at the Women's Open and what Julie Inkster did yesterday to shoot that 66 to get into contention. If somebody does that today, it'll get real interesting at the ladies.
5: Yeah, I think so, too. I think Michelle Wee, the, the only thing that she doesn't have, obviously, she, you know, she has one person playing with her that's tied, and she and other than uh, Amy Yang, they do have a four-shot cushion on the field, but in some ways, her performance looks very similar to climber. She has a yeah. pair of 68s, which are, nice. which is great.
1: Okay, we're going to uh, Neil. Neil's going to stick around and, and join us on the next segment. We're going to continue talking about a little bit about the U.S. Open. Then we're going to talk about his new book, which is called "Draw in the Dunes," all about the 1969 Ryder Cup. Jack Nicklaus, Tony Jacklin, and what has become known through the years as the concession. Neil writes about it. He'll tell us about it next. As we continue, we're live at the Broadmoor. This is Tita Green. Stay with us. Be right back
6: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800-274-7312 800-274-7312 not available in all states paid non-attorney spokesperson
8: do you know which investment has tripled in price since the debt crisis and risen an average 20 percent a year for 11 years it's not stocks not bonds it's silver and right now we at lear capital believe silver is poised to hit new record highs And we're making it easier to own than ever. For a limited time, new customers with $5,000 or more to invest in gold or silver can get up to 10 certified Morgan silver dollars absolutely free. That's right, up to 10 100-year-old Morgan silver dollars when you invest $5,000 or more, a $600 value free. This offer is available for IRA accounts as well. Call right
2: now, 800-631-9229, 800-631-9229, 800-631-9229. Call Lear Capital now, 800-631-9229.
3: Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap,
0: tap, tap a rule. Time to work on your short game. Tea to Green helps you get it up and down. The Broadmoor is one of the world's premier resorts and the longest holder of the prestigious AAA Five Diamond Award. This 3,000-acre property has 700 rooms and suites,
9: Hi everybody, I'm Mark Kelbel, the head golf pro at the Broadmoor. Today I want to talk to you about specialty shots from around the green. If your ball comes to rest a yard or so from the green in not too long a grass, you have a pin position which has some distance between the edge of the green and yourself, think about using a fairway wood to roll that ball towards your target. What this does is prevent the chili dip, gets the ball rolling towards your target, And it's a much easier shot to get out of situations like that. It takes a little bit of practice. Choke down on the club, right down to the metal. Stand over the ball a bit more. Practice this like a putting stroke. You'll get better at this in a hurry.
1: For more on getting the ball up and down, check out tdegreenradio.com or visit your nearest PGA professional. It's America's longest-running network radio golf show. you found it. It's Tee to Green. I'm Jay Ritchie. A reminder, registration for the 6th Annual Howard W. Massini CPA Mile High Shootout is underway. This year's shootout takes place August 22nd through 24th at the Park Hill Golf Course in Denver, Competition in the amateur, senior, and open divisions. It's the last long drive tour event before the World Championships in September. The pro-am portion of the event takes place August 23rd at the Ridge at Castle Pines North, and that event, each foursome will have a professional long driver in the group. You can sign up now. Uh, get online. The defending open champion Trent Scruggs and senior division champion James East will be back to defend their titles. Just check it out at Mile High Shootout dot com for more details, milehighshootout.com. We continue with our guest, Neil Sagabell is with us. He spent last week at Pinehurst number two at the men's U.S. Open. His new book, Draw in the Dunes, is getting ready for release. And Neil, a couple qu- more questions before we get to the book itself, uh in general about the open last week. A lot of talk about the design or the redesign, I guess. At Pinehurst Number Two, with uh, Ben Crenshaw and Bill Coore coming in, and people saying, "Get used to the look, folks. Get used to the design. This is the golf course. This is the way the golf course, uh, golf courses of the future will be." How do you think uh, Pinehurst Number Two looks, and uh, ha- has it passed the test?
5: I, I think it has with a lot of people. Uh, personally, I liked it. I, I was I'd seen a lot of pictures of it. Uh, I was interested to get there and see what it looked like. With the naked eye walk the course, get the feel of it, and I I like the aesthetic. Uh, I think it works really well in the sand hills of North Carolina, in that terrain, uh, sort of the sandy, uh, you know, the sandy soil and the Bermuda.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
5: I don't I don't know, and, and I think obviously it works in, on. Uh, you know, in situations where you have links courses, uh, I don't know how that would work uh, in other, you know, more Parkland-type courses. Uh, you know, the sort of the brownish look, and but I think it played well. I think the U.S. U.S.G.A. was open to that idea, and I feel like they pulled it off.
1: Yeah, I think most people would agree with with that that assessment right there about Pinehurst Number Two. Other question I wanted to ask you, and this happened late in the week. Tiger Woods announced that he's coming back next week to play in his first tournament since the back surgery. Too soon? Should Tiger have waited? What do you think?
5: We'll find out. Um, I, I hope it's not too soon. You know, he he's made a lot of statements about following the, the counsel of his doctors, doing all the exercises, being obsessive about his rehab, and I, I do believe Tiger is is that kind of person. But I hope that you know he doesn't hit in the rough very much because as some people have observed, the rough at Congressional is pretty thick. Yeah, and it'd be awful if he tweaked his back.
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll four inch rough at Congressional. A lot of people are kind of nervous about the comeback, thinking he may have rushed a little bit. But I'm, I'm with you. I guess time will tell, and uh, hopefully he will get through that okay and. Uh, continued, you know, continue his comeback. Neil Sagabella is our guest. I mentioned the book, Draw in the Dunes, the retelling of the 1969 Ryder Cup competition, which concluded with what has been called golf's greatest act of sportsmanship. That's when Jack Nicklaus conceded the putt on the last hole, the last putt of the match to Britain's Tony Jacklin. Neil, a lot of things you could have written about in the world of golf. And I'm sure any one of them, the way you write, would be fantastic. Why this particular topic?
5: Well, I, looked, I was looking around for something to follow up The Longest Shot, and I, I re- when I wrote that book, I felt like I don't know if I'll ever find uh, a better story than this that hasn't been fully told. But uh, somewhere along the line, as I was thinking about potential topics, I think I saw the clip of Nicholas... Uh, conceding the putt to Jacqueline on the final hole. And a lot of people know about that. It's this famous moment in golf. And I thought, well, that's pretty compelling. What what were all the circumstances that led up to that? Why did that two-foot putt mean so much? And so I dug into that. And uh, the Draw on the Dunes is the full story. It really talks about where the Ryder Cup was at that point in history, what was going on in that particular Ryder Cup, it there it was compelling, it was exciting, it was close, and there was controversy. And uh, so the Drawing the Dunes tells the whole story of, of how we reached that moment and why it was so important uh, in, at that time and also later on in the history of the Ryder
1: Cup. Yeah, and if I know you and the way you write, the, the moment being the last Cut on the final hole is kind of the central theme of the book, but you, I'm sure, went into the entire competition. I know you sat down with Jack Nicklaus, and there was probably a lot of material there to flesh out and to go through.
5: There was. I was fortunate. You know, when I first pitched the idea to my publisher, uh, they liked the idea, and I hadn't fleshed it out completely. I hadn't done all my research, and I was really hoping there was enough material there to tell the full story leading into that event, but also telling of those three days at that Ryder Cup, much in the way I did the longest shot. And there there was. There was a lot of good information. And so you get the day-by-day account, and hopefully the reader will get the sense of being there uh, like they did in the longest shot.
1: Yeah, going into the 1969 Ryder Cup, Britain had lost 14 of the 17 previous Ryder Cups, the U.S. team in 69, besides Jack Nicklaus, they had, a lot, they had so many great players. Nobody expected it to be close, did they?
5: No, and that's one, of the, that's one of the great things about this story is it's another underdog story. I mean, there are a lot of storylines, but it's an underdog story. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Tony Jacklin, who was the star of the British team, and they were. it was a period when they were just getting drummed and there wasn't, people were losing interest in the Ryder Cup. It, it was sort of on a death watch. Something was going to have to change. And that year, being the first tie and having so many matches be, that were close, helped to breathe life into it and, and helped it to survive through, it, through a period of time until it was eventually changed from a Great Britain team to a European team.
1: Our guest is Neil Sagabell. His new book, Draw in the Dunes, tells the story of the 1969 Ryder Cup. 17 of the 32 matches were not decided until the final hole, and the match between Jack Nicklaus and Tony Jacklin went down to the last hole with the match tied on the last putt. Nicklaus conceded that putt to Jacklin. As a result, the Americans, with the tie, still retained the cup, and yet the Cool thing was Britain was was able to walk away and Jacqueline was able to walk away feeling pretty good with their heads held high.
5: They were. I mean, for them, it was almost like a win. They they wanted to win, and uh, in the afternoon singles, they only needed three-and-a-half points out of a possible eight to get the win. But uh, America rallied, and it was just nail-bitingly close to the very end. You know, another thing that that I think readers will find interesting about it is at that time. You know, we look back now and we understand the historical context of this, and we we understand Jack Nicklaus's greatness and this act of sportsmanship. But I can tell you at the time too, and I go into this in the book. Half half of Jack's team was not happy that he conceded
1: that pot. Uh, that was going to so be my was, next my <laughs> next point. Yeah.
5: No, they 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 weren't, and. And that included his captain, Sam Snead. Uh, they wanted to win, and, and you can understand that. And their idea of competition, uh, you know, Sam Snead, he didn't really believe in conceding missable putts. And so, you know, I, I go into that, and, and including a lot of Jack's thoughts on that when I interviewed him and all the players, how they processed that at the time, and then over the course of the following decades, uh, a lot of the American players came to understand why that was a really a good thing for the Ryder Cup. But it took some time for them.
1: It's been called golf's greatest greatest act of sportsmanship, Nicholas conceding the putt to Jacqueline. Uh, did you, you also, I'm, I'm sure, talk to Jacqueline and members of the European or the British team?
5: I did. I, I was able to, I'd say something like, Eight of the twelve players, and um, you know, players—they're not going to be as well known to to American golfers and American audiences, but some of them will, like Tony Jacklin and Peter Alice and uh, Bernard Gallagher, who was a great uh, great, uh, British captain in the '80s. He followed um, Tony Jacklin, uh, Brian Huggett, Brian Barnes. So that was really fun to get getting to know the British side, uh, and you also have the contrast between the two, the two tours at that time. And, and you get that story as well. The European tour was about three years away in 1969. So there wasn't a lot of back-and-forth travel, and there were very few foreign players playing on the PGA Tour. So it was a different era, and, and you get to see that in Draw in the Dunes.
1: Draw in the Dunes, the title of the book. Neil, I know it's it's close to or just been released. Give us the status of the release.
5: It's going to come out just before the Ryder Cup, a couple weeks before the Ryder Cup. The official release is September 9th. Uh, the book is on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other major book-selling sites right now, so uh, people who are very interested in it or know they're going to get it, they can pre-order it if they want. But the hardcover and the ebook edition will be officially released in early September.
1: All right. It is a Ryder Cup year. This is the story of the 1969 Ryder Cup and the concession, what's been called golf's greatest act of sportsmanship between Jack Nicklaus and Tony Jacklin. I'm looking forward to it, Neil. I know it's going to be another great read how about we get you back right around the release date? We'll talk some more about it.
5: I'd love to come back, Jay. I appreciate you having me on, and I'd love to talk to you again.
1: All right. Sounds good. One of our favorite guests, Neil Sagabell, with us. The book, Draw in the Dunes. Look for it soon. The retelling of the 1969 Ryder Cup competition between the U.S. and Great Britain that ended up in a draw in the dunes. We'll come back. We're going to go on tour and look at the Women's U.S. Open.
6: Your process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800 274 7312. 800 274 7312. Not available in all states. paid non attorney spokesperson.
8: Do you know which investment has tripled in price since the debt crisis and risen an average 20% a year for 11 years? It's not stocks, not bonds. It's silver. And right now, we at Lear Capital believe silver is poised to hit new record highs. And we're making it easier to own than ever. For a limited time, new customers with $5,000 or more to invest in gold or silver can get up to 10 certified Morgan Silver Dollars absolutely free. That's right, up to 10 100-year-old Morgan Silver Dollars when you invest $5,000 or more, a $600 value free. This offer is available for IRA accounts as well.
2: Call right now, 800-631-9229, 800-631-9229, 800-631-9229. Call Lear Capital now, 800-631-9229.
4: 800-296-1360.
1: America's longest-running network radio golf show and the fastest hour in radio, quickest hour in golf, to Green. Not done yet. Time to take a look at what's happening on tour this week. Three big events, the Travelers' Championship, the PGA Tour at TPC River Highlands in Cromwell, Connecticut. And going into the final round today, Ryan Moore with rounds of 63, 68, and 66. A one-shot lead over Aaron Baddeley. A two-shot lead over several players, Sergio Garcia, K.J. Choi, Scott Langley, and Michael Putnam Moore with a one-shot lead trying to hang on today. In Glenview, Illinois, Tom Lehman opened a three-shot lead at the Champions Tour Encompass Championship, shooting a bogey-free 66 Six under par yesterday before play was suspended due to a thunderstorm. 31 players unable to finish the round. Kirk Triplett, John Inman, Roger Chapman, and Bart Bryant were 10 under par. Uh, Lehman hasn't won since 2012. And at the 69th U.S. Women's Open at Pinehurst number 2, Today, Michelle Wee and Amy Yang tied at 2-under going into the final round. Each of those players looking for their first major championship. There's three players tied for second place at 2-over, four shots back, including... Two-time champion, Julie Inkster, who is 53 years old. She'll be 54 on Tuesday. She's playing in her 35th and final U.S. Women's Open. She got into it by shooting the week's low round with a 66 yesterday. She's won this event twice. She's won seven major championships, but downplays her chances of pulling it out and making history today at age 54. Julie Inkster. Sharing third place with Stephanie Meadow, the world's number one ranked amateur Minji Lee, and 2012 Women's Open champion Nyan Choi. In a group of five at three over, Lexi Thompson and Kari Webb, top ranked Stacey Lewis, and 2010 champion Paula Kramer are four over, six shots behind. Going to be tough to make up six shots on this course. Overall, there are 14 players within six shots of the lead heading into the final round today. Will the quiet Oriental Amy Yang hang on? Or can Michelle Wee live up to the promise that started over a decade ago and win her first major championship? Or will it be the ageless Julie Inkster? Final round should be fun today. Enjoy it and enjoy the week. That's it. Thanks to Jonathan Romeo and Neil Sagabell. Till next time, hit them long, hit them straight.